Welcome to the Dental CEO Show. I'm Dr. Sam Dar. And I'm Samantha Leonard. And we are the co-founders of Stream Dental HR. We started the show to talk about everything they didn't teach us in dental school, about running a business, managing a team, and being a leader. And as the CEO and office managers, it's your responsibility to hire the right people, onboard and integrate them with the right systems, motivate, engage, and lead them to success. With our experience owning, managing, and operating six multi-million dollar practices, we learned a thing or two on what not to do and eventually what our secret formula for success was. And it all boiled down to people and processes. That's what brought us lots of profit and success. Join us as we dive into everything from hiring, leadership, communication, systems, scaling, and HR. The most fundamental pieces to turn your practice from survival mode into growth mode. Hey everybody, Samantha Leonard here. I just wanted to jump in the middle of this episode to tell you about a course that we are launching June 21st. We are so excited for this brand new program that I couldn't wait to tell you. We know that health and safety has been on the top of everybody's mind right now, but maintaining a safe workplace can be hard when health and safety rules are constantly changing, they're complex, and they're confusing. What we have decided to do is put together a 10-week online training program designed to help practice owners, practice managers, your health and safety representatives, and committees for your practice build a successful and compliant occupational health and safety department for your dental practice. This health and safety trip program is designed to educate and provide real-life solutions to real workplace situations. It's going to cover sexual harassment prevention, workplace violence and bullying protocols and investigations, emergency procedures and protocols, workplace injuries, COVID-19 changes to the workplace, investigations and reportings, and much, much more. Your practice may be eligible to get funding for this program through the Canada Job Grant. And coverage and eligibility ranges between 50 to 100% depending on your province. So make sure to contact us right away so that we can help you utilize this great program to provide the training and resources that your team needs to be able to make sure that you are complying with employment legislation and making sure everybody is safe and healthy in the workplace. If you want more information, please visit StreamDentalHR.com. Welcome back to the Dental CEO Show. I'm excited for today's topic where we're going to be talking about money. Who doesn't like getting money, making money, growing your business so you can make more money? But in order for us to do that, we need to have the right business strategies in place. So our team is doing the right things at the right time to help us maximize our revenue, minimize expenses so we can increase more profits. We have an incredibly special guest today, Stephen Gray. He specializes in helping practices do just that. He has over 20 years of experience in public accounting, working with dozens of dental practice owners as they buy, manage, and sell their practices. He graduated from St. Mary's University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And a small business owner himself, he shares the trials and tribulations of practice owners with his clients. Stephen lives in the Maritimes with his beautiful wife, Deanna, daughter, Kaylee, and son, Dylan. Thank you so much for joining me today on this special podcast, Stephen. Right on. Thanks for having me, Samantha. Yeah, for sure. So how, how was your holidays? How's 2021 starting off for you so far? Well, the holidays were quiet. Um, we have sort of our Atlantic bubble down here, but uh, with my... My three-year-old son and my 11-year-old daughter, it was, uh, it was kind of a delight to be, to be at home with them. What about yourself? 
Oh, it was diff definitely different this year. That's for sure. Um, we're here still in a lockdown. They just extended that a couple more weeks. So we're still hibernating at home, I guess. This is what we would normally do anyways. But uh, yeah, definitely different. Um, but enjoyed that time, like you said, with with family. Um, and, you know, just having that relaxing time. Yeah, excellent. Awesome. Well, this time of year that we're recording it, it's fresh into 2021. And this is when everyone likes to start doing their resolutions. They're writing down their goals or taking a look and maybe some practices are probably writing down, this is the production goal that I want to hit by the end of 2021. But, you know, we see that many practices um, have a really tough time creating realistic and attainable goals when they don't really know what all of the costs that are involved. And you and I both know that it's much more than just, I need more patients so I can make more money. It's more of more than what's going in and what's going out, right? Really understanding that and knowing what your break-even points are, what your profit margins are. And, you know, without knowing that, it's really hard to make those business decisions um, without those key fundamental pieces. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I know um, this year coming up, we'll have kind of a, an odd year of reporting when we look at 2020. Um, here in Nova Scotia, the practices were closed on March 21st uh, through a provincial order. Uh, I think in Ontario, it was March uh, 24th. Um, so almost every practice we've been looking at in terms of their historical numbers, uh, they've taken about a 25% hit to their, to their revenue production. Um, so 2020 was was a very scary year, I think, uh, for many of my clients. And we're kind of optimistic for 2021. I mean, as one client said, hopefully it's not jinxing us, but she said it can't, cost, can't be worse. Um, yeah. <laughs> as we look back at the performance in 2020, it is important to note that it was an unusual year. And mm -hmm. hopefully it doesn't affect uh, the ambitious goals that, uh, that we'll set here for 2021. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you said, it was, you know, looking, you need to kind of take a step back and kind of look in the rearview mirror, see what happened the previous year to really kind of help us set realistic goals. So, I mean, let's kind of dive in a little bit deeper into, into that piece and really understanding profit and loss, understanding the accounting side, because I, I know most of these and most business owners, including dentists, you don't go to school and get an MBA first and then start your business, right? You start your business. And unfortunately you have to learn some of the lessons the hard way. And I know my, for my example, like I, my educational background is a dental assistant, nor formal training in accounting, bookkeeping, or let alone understanding what a profit and loss is. And now I have an HR firm. So there's a lot of things that uh, go into accounting more than just money in and money out. So why don't we do like a 30,000 foot view of profit and loss expenses and really what practice owners need to know about their business? Yeah, for sure. So when I look at uh, financial statements with clients, usually at the end of the year, um, if I just kind of take a step back and just discuss financial statements broadly, uh, there are two key financial statements that the dentists should know about uh, for their practice, and they should be looking at them, I mean, ideally monthly, but at least annually. Um, and these two statements are studied in depth by CPAs, and, and I realize they're not in the curriculum of, of the dental schools, and nor should they be. Uh, but the first of the two statements is a balance sheet or a statement of financial position, which is not really the focus of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, this shows the assets that the practice owns and whether these are financed by offsetting liabilities or if they've been earned as equity. 
Um, so we could talk about the balance sheet another day. There are some important things to look at there. But I think what we're going to focus on today is, as you mentioned, the, the P&L, uh, which is an acronym, the PNL or profit and loss statement. Uh, this might also be called like an income statement or a statement of operations. Uh, different firms will call them different things, but essentially they're all the same. It's basically what's happened over the fiscal year from an accounting perspective. So at a basic level, it is sort of the money that's come in and the money that's gone out. Obviously, there are a few adjustments for uh, accrual accounting, uh, but that is, uh, I guess, the critical statement to, to have a look at at this time of year, see how you did in 2020. And for a lot of accountants, that's what we like to use as a basis going forward to look at 2021. So if you like, maybe we could just run through the, the important categories. Uh, I think there's mm -hmm. three, three important categories to look at when they get this statement. I'm quite a visual person. So when I picture an income statement, uh, your clients, your dentists, if they look at an income statement, it's not the most important line, but obviously the first line that usually jumps out at them is their revenues, right? The, right. the top line, uh, the fees produced by the practice. And within our database, so we keep a database of all of our dental clients, and our average practice runs at about $1.1 million of production. And I think it's important for dentists to look at that, not just as a standalone number, but certainly as, as how it's grown over time. Again, 2020 has been a, been a rough year uh, for mm -hmm. production targets. Um, a lot of practices are, are down, right? Understandably right. so. So once you kind of absorb that, uh, you look at how you can grow the practice and the NSDA here in Nova Scotia and the other provincial bodies, obviously they publish fee guides and you should see your revenues rising about 2% a year if you're producing in line with, with the fee guides. I guess the hot topic this year with, with clients has been uh, whether or not they add PPE charges right, of, mm. of 10 or $15 a patient. As an accountant, I like this, but uh, really, the market conditions will dictate in your market whether or not you can you can pass this cost along. Mm -hmm. And to be perfectly frank, I, I don't know if I would hire an accountant to talk to you about boosted sales. Um, <laughs> it's generally not our forte, uh, but uh, growing your sales and keeping an eye on the production that your team is making, because it really is the team working together that, uh, that ultimately drives your production. Um, the administrative team keeping the bums in those seats Mm -hmm. and the hygiene pool, I mean, maintaining their production, uh, as well as the dentists themselves. Uh, they all have to work together. Right. So the production, the top line number is a very important number. I, I hope people don't focus too much on the, the absolutes. So, you know, mm -hmm. if your practice makes 900,000 or 2 million, um, it's going to vary practice to practice, right? And, and a lot of that will be driven by the strategic decisions you've made, right? Right. Are you going to be a practice that's open five or six days a week with longer hours, associates, a larger mm -hmm. hygiene pool? Or are you going to be a practice that's open maybe seven days a week, nine to five with lower production? Uh, there's no judgment. It's really you have to find the production target that, that really meets your needs as a dentist. Um, that's within the capabilities of your team and that meets the needs of your patients. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So revenue is, is the first number that jumps out at you. Uh, it's usually the biggest number. I guess the number that I would argue is the most critical would be profit. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you would concur with that, but for most business owners, the, if they don't see what they're billing, they want to know, well, what did I make? Right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so the profit for most of our 
dentists in the database runs at about 23% of their production. Right? So the pre-tax profit of about $268,000. And that basically tells your, your dental practice owner what they're taking home after their expenses have, have all been paid. And they can use that money to pay down corporate debt. A lot of our, our dentists have obviously financed either their practice acquisition, uh, equipment loans or substantial leaseholds. It also lets them know what they can draw out as dividends, right? Mm -hmm. Which is sort of their return for being an owner, um, mm -hmm. not just a, a dental associate. So accountants and I mean, Statistics Canada, Industry Canada, we do the same thing. We basically look at benchmarks as a percentage of their production. Um, so again, our percentage of production is about 23% profit. Um, Statistics Canada, which does publish their figures annually, uh, they have about 28%, um, which is slightly different than ours. Uh, but you can, you can only dig so far into the right. national numbers, right? So arguably, if revenue is your biggest number, uh, profit or the bottom line is the most important number to the practice owner. Uh, but then I guess the next line that my eyes jump to would be the most critical expense, which is their payroll expense. Yeah. And again, this, this can be called a couple of things, um, can be called salaries and benefits or labor or, or what have you. But at the end of the day, this is the cost of your team, right? Mm -hmm. To help provide the services that you do. Um, the national benchmarks have salaries running at about 35% of production. And my database would concur with that at about 36. So if you and look then at what it- would you, What would you say Stats Canada? I don't know if you have those, those, those numbers for when you compare it to other industries. Uh, well, I think dental is, it's fairly high. I mean, it'd be lower than some more goods-based industries. Um, it's certainly lower than some other service-based industries like accounting or law professions or things like that. Um, so it's kind of smack dab in the middle. It's slightly different than the other medical professions, which will vary greatly. Um, so they're really in sort of a, a niche market all of their own. Hmm. Interesting. But if you just think about the numbers, I mean, in an order of magnitude, if, uh, if you're going through your numbers, and you're trying to think rationally about your business and how you can work on your business and improve your business. Um, those three numbers are the ones that jump out at me. Mm -hmm. uh, how much revenue is your practice producing? Um, are you happy with that? How much profit are you taking home? Are you happy with that? And how much are you investing in your team? Mm -hmm. uh, frankly, the, the investment in the team is generally the the largest investment that most of the dentists are making. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and just even the terms when I'm thinking about, the, you know, the HR side is, you know, the team is usually referred to as your human capital cost, right? Because they are assets to the organization. And if the business isn't being strategic with, you know, making sure that everybody's doing the right things at the right time to, in order to drive the business forward and make more production, versus you know having uh, so much uncertainty people don't know what they're doing the accountability process maybe there's so many redundancies where multiple people are doing them the same thing when one person should be doing one thing and then that alleviates three other people to be actually focusing on the other key 
uh, core competencies that are really going to help the business grow, right? So I think that's a, a really important piece that I really want to dive into a, um, a little bit more about, you know, the truth about the payroll costs and your people cost and the, the human capital and how do we maximize that investment in our people to really help grow our business. Yeah, so I mean, again, I think when you look back at, at, at your practice, and again, everyone's unique, I would really take a hard look at production in terms of what's happening there with the overall production numbers. Um, so there's a lot of non-qualitative, you know, aspects that can that can come into play, as you said, how well the team works together, um, how well the admin team can uh, can keep patients in those chairs, right? Mm. Uh, if the hygienist is not busy for an hour that costs you. The hygienist is not busy mm -hmm. for two hours. Uh, I mean, missed appointments are huge and they're going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. These types of things are going to happen. So uh, the more robust your systems are that mm -hmm. can put bums back in those seats, mm -hmm. uh, the better off you'll be. Um, I know for myself, if I just kind of delve a bit into the financial end, because obviously as an accountant, that's my, that's my forte. Usually where I get drawn into in terms of looking at practice analysis and performance would be in hygiene pools in particular. Uh, when I look at the production effectiveness and efficiency of the hygiene pool, um, we'll typically look at, you know, whether it's Dentrix or another Ablesoft, another program, you can typically get the production from your staff, right? And, and mm -hmm. break that production down by staff member. That's absolutely critical. And then you take a look at what those staff are, are costing you on the cost mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. So for a hygienist, you look at what the hygienist salary is. Uh, I typically like to look at gross salary. It's not entirely fair to hold them accountable for all the other ins and outs that happen as a result of government policy or whatnot. But if right. you look at their gross salary, I mean, what they're contributing to the top line should be about a factor of three. So for every dollar that you're investing in them in salaries, they should be generating $3 in production for your practice. And if you compare your hygiene pool and they're all about the same, that could be okay. Uh, if maybe you have a star performer, uh, it's important to, to talk to your team, right? And get feedback from them as to what's working and what's mm -hmm. not working. And often that can find itself right into the, into the top line and right into your bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like all of those pieces are, are so important to look at, because like you said, sometimes when we look at our profit and loss and we just see that one line for payroll taxes, we we just see that that number and it doesn't really reflect all of those other pieces that go into paying their paychecks, right? It's like all those points you were mentioning about making sure that our hygienists are producing at least three per, you know, three times, right? So uh, another factor that when we're working with clients, we always like to have them really understand, and this is usually a big eye-opener of, you know, figure out what is it costing you every single hour you are open. So in that way, they can understand how much they should be making that hour, at least to cover, make sure that the lights are, you know, we have enough to keep the lights on, keep yep. everybody uh, paid. But then at the same time, it really helps us take a look at um, you know, looking at doing a job analysis for everybody. Are we having this person, are they bogged down with so much of this administrative work or so much follow-up or so much redundancies that they're actually not doing recalls and getting those butts in the seats, like you were saying? Or 
you know, uh, are we seeing that this person doesn't have that time to do follow-ups and to do those, you know, recalls and what have you. So it's, it's really important to see what is this person doing for this hour? Are they bogged down? Do we have to delegate? Do we have to automate this process or do we need to outsource this so that they can actually be focused on what's going to be bringing in in, in, and having an ROI on that so that we make sure that we're at least making that much money to keep the lights on for that day. Yeah. And I'm always amazed. Like when I, when I work with clients, uh, I mean, obviously I'm an accountant, so I like, I like kind of hard numbers. And when I, when I go through the income statement with them and, and we look at these numbers, I mean, a lot of them will focus in on these, these staff performance measures and things like that. But I'm also sometimes amazed at, at the at the time that's sometimes spent on on the other expenses, and I don't mean to downgrade the importance of any particular expense. But when I look at my database, I mean, in my benchmarks, their occupancy costs are six percent of production annually. Um, location is very important from a marketing mm-hmm. practice performance perspective, um, but in terms of a cost, it's six percent of production. I wonder how much time they, they invest in, in thinking about that or worrying about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know supplies is a big one now. It's, uh, it's 6% of production for most of my clients. So I'm not saying that you know PPE supplies go up in price and it doubles. Uh, it's not an important thing to keep in mind, but even if your PPE costs double, uh, it's still only a fraction of what you're investing in your team. Yeah. And I look at the income tax perspective most of my clients obviously pay me for one of two reasons. Um, their focus is on tax planning and compliance or assurance reports for the banks, right? So between mm-hmm. Canada Revenue Agency here in Canada and uh, the big banks that finance a lot of dentists, they're really driving the desire for, for my product. But when I look at their practice as a business, income taxes can be a factor of 3% of production. Wow. And when I just try to think of how much time a lot of my clients will invest with me, um, you know, even working with the personal tax end of things, when you pull personal taxes into the mix, it could be as high as 8% of their production that's, that's going to income taxes. But in terms of orders of magnitude, I mean, I almost hate to say it, but your team is, is three times that. Like mm-hmm. You really do need to take a serious look at your team and, uh, and know that you're making a large investment there. And if you're willing to spend thousands of dollars on accountants and lawyers to do reorgs to save taxes, I mean, there is value there. Um, but I suspect if you do that, even the taxes that you save, you'll spend that on your team in yeah. maybe six months, right? Yeah. So I really encourage dentists and other small business owners uh, such that they have the capacity to, to invest in, in their human resources, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I'm all, of course, I'm happy that you said that because it, it really shines a light of how important uh, to, to manage your people, uh, to invest in your team, to grow your team, which means you're growing your business. And, you know, we, we like to coin the, the, the success formula, what we call it is people plus processes equals profit. And it's so true that when you have the right people doing the right things at the right time, that's what's going to streamline your business and help it grow so you can maximize profits. But in order for us to do that, you know, you need to have a good business and people strategy. And I think a lot of people don't really 
associate HR and accounting and all of those pieces that actually work together. And I think, you know, from what I'm taking from what you just mentioned about all of the other pieces that they need to focus on in accounting, you know, those are all important but we can't just focus on one over the other and then think that that's going to be that 1% that's going to get us closer to making, you know, $1.2 million this year. We need to have equal, um, uh, you know, uh, investment on all of those other key pieces that are important for business growth. Yeah. And I know from sort of anecdotally with about a half dozen of my clients, when I speak to them, so when I talk to my clients, again, I mean, I'm an accountant, so the number one thing we would talk about would be taxes. Um, a close second would be financing, you know, working with the banks and whatnot. But a close third would be, again, their, their human resources and, their, and the people power they have. And I've got a number of dentists who could be generating so much more production mm-hmm. um, if they could just attract and retain the talent that they need. And it's not the dentist's capability holding him back. It is the ability to, to again, grow that team yeah. uh, and generate more production and more profit for themselves. Um, yeah. I'm obviously focused primarily here in Nova Scotia. And when I look at the NSDA website today before our call, uh, there's 66 job postings on there. 25 for DAs, 26 for dental hygienists, and 15 for receptions. So that's 66 positions that are, you know, in need of, of, of somebody. Uh, yeah. So that could be that could be 66 practices underperforming yeah. uh, simply because of a lack of, of, of people power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true. And just, you know, when we quantify, um, you know, the, the people cost of when you actually have somebody who says the two most dreaded words in history, I think is I quit, right? When, the moment you hear that, and then the uh, the amount of time that it takes for you to fill this position, work shorthanded, you're, you're understaffed, and now you have way more work on and burning everybody else out and not enough attention being focused on the business. So, you know, the when we start to quantify what that actually looks like and how much time it's gonna take you to fill that position, I think, uh, you know, we kind of have a tough time associating that cost with, you know, the cost of recruitment and the cost of hiring and onboarding. And, you know, on average, it typically takes about 33% of, you know, the person that you're replacing their salary um, to fill and, and find somebody else, right? So let's look at that on average, let's probably assume maybe around like $28,000 to replace somebody. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, when you're looking at the, the, the numbers at the end of the month and profit and loss, and when you deduct the $28,000, that actually doesn't, maybe we, you can't really uh, put it into a certain ledger or a certain category on the PL, but it definitely comes out of that bottom line for that month, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, there's a number of faults with historical cost accounting. I mean, not the least of which is, you know, when dentists look at what their practice is quote unquote worth on their balance sheet, it doesn't reflect the goodwill that most practices have. I mean, they're infinitely more valuable than, than what they show in equity on the balance sheet. Um, and on the flip side, on the profit and loss statement, revenues that didn't occur do not make it into our accounting system mm-hmm. under the current environment. Um, but it is a very real number, right? If you lose that hygienist, you're losing, you know, two hundred thousand dollars of production. It's it's yeah. a real number, even though it doesn't show up on the statements. It is a real number. Yeah. Um, 
I know for myself, I mean, not just as an accountant, but as a small business owner myself, uh, I became a partner 10 years ago. I mean, believe you and me, I know the value of a dollar that you earn by working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to think I'm a pretty smart individual. Um, I am a chartered professional accountant. Uh, I graduated magna cum laude from university, but I don't know a lot about industry labor laws. I don't know about human rights laws. I don't know about best practices for human resources. Uh, So a number of years ago, we invested in an HR professional to come up with some employee policies and a manual. And it's been immensely valuable. It bothers me because as an accountant, I can't quantify it in dollar terms, Um, (laughs) but it's a very intangible asset, a new hire. Here's our policies. This is how we do things. Uh, If it's not documented, uh, you're basically relying on your existing staff telling new hires how it works here. And lo and behold, sometimes how it works here is not how the dentist thinks it's supposed to work. Right. Um, but if it's not documented and if it's not communicated, uh, that's not what gets passed along to new hires. Yeah. So if you do have high turnover, it's, it's immensely more important to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to delve too much into gender or politics, but some of the policies that you need have to address things that are out of your scope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, for myself, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged male. Uh, we had a policy on adoption. I never thought we would need a policy on adoption. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. We did. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, even things like that, that just uh, you wouldn't even consider, right? Uh, yeah. So immensely important to, to discuss with a professional that knows about them um, mm-hmm. and to set those things in place and document them. And dentists are like every other small business client I have. And so much of what they do is up here. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really critical for communication uh, to have it documented, for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and I'm so glad that you took that time to really invest in your business, to to work with an HR professional to really help put all of those pieces um, in place, put those business strategies, those people strategies together for you. And it sounds like you've definitely had a great ROI for from that. So I'm, I'm glad to hear. So let, let's talk about a little bit more about the ROI. So I know we kind of highlighted this a little bit more um, about, you know, the, the highest uh, expense on our profit and loss sheet. So what would you recommended practices on how they can maximize their ROI cost on their people? Well, again, when you take a look at your people, uh, you look at what you're investing in them. Uh, for the admin staff, uh, there are a number of financial measures I would use. Um, the receivables tend to be one that comes into play with dental practices. Uh, they can take a look at their balance sheet and see what their receivable balance is. Um, it's typically about 4% of production. Uh, I have some clients whose AR is, is really low, and I have some that's quite high. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, that indicates from, a, depending on who the person responsible for AR collection is, I mean, the higher your AR is, it's usually indicative of uh, maybe an admin person that either isn't supported in their role um, or doesn't like the role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think feedback is very important from from staff members. Uh, if you have an administrative team that doesn't like collecting receivables, your receivables are not going to get collected. Exactly. Um, 
so the, the accounts receivable is a measure for, for the administrative team. Again, missed appointments uh, are critical. Uh, the communication aspect is is key. Uh, I had to, uh, to tease a dentist that uh, you know the hygiene was was very slow, and the market here in Halifax is very competitive. Uh, I could get into practice next week to get a cleaning if I wow. if I wanted to. Um, so if I call up your practice and they say, well, we'll get you in in three to six months, then you're losing the patient, right? Oh yeah. Um, so new patient attraction, if that is your goal, it's critical to communicate that to the staff, right? Because um, you never know, the person at reception can be saying, well, we don't need any more patients. And the dentist might be pulling their hair out saying, yes, we do. Like, I really want those patients. Um, so you can develop a number of measures for the admin team in terms of what you would like them to, to do. Um, and the sayings in the industry obviously are, if it's measured, it gets done. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you do track your new patients, um, again, obviously, I mean, I think other professionals are better to talk to you about how you attract new patients and track that. Um, you can also look at your own production uh, relative to, to uh, your hygiene pool. Uh, many of my practices, I think on average, uh, my dentist would bring in about 65% of their revenue and the hygiene pool would bring in about 35 uh, if you're happy with that, that's fine. Again, I don't judge practices, but it's important to know where you are and if that is the kind of practice that you want. I mean, I talked to one of my very ambitious dentists and he would rather his hygiene was zero and he got to do everything and, and that's fine. Um, and one of my other dentists uh, makes very effective use of the hygiene pool and, and does quite well on it um, mm -hmm. and works fewer hours, right? So it really does drive what you want will drive your production. If you want to work four days a week, you just have to accept that you're not going to hit 1.2 million in production, certainly not here mm -hmm. in um, And you don't have to, but if you do want to hit that target, you do take a look at your admin costs. Uh, again, I, I use our database more than StatsCan for that because the pure staff salaries are 30% of production. Uh, I need to look at our own database for that because obviously the national one doesn't tell me, you mm -hmm. know, well, the average dentist paid themselves this. Um, right. Dentists will pay themselves different amounts based on salary or dividends based on their own tax planning. But pure staff salaries at 30% of production, if you're on the low end of that, uh, maybe things are going fine. Uh, mm -hmm. You just need to tweak things. And yeah. if things are much higher than that, I would suggest maybe it's indicative of a, of a problem right? mm -hmm. that they need to no, look at. I think... Um... The one thing that I love and hate about accounting is that numbers don't lie, right? So unfortunately, sometimes when you look at those P&Ls at the end of the month and, you know, it's a little shocking and it takes you back and maybe you do a little, you cry a little bit when <laughs> sometimes I do that. Uh, but it, it also really helps you, it, like you said, it's a great way to be able to measure and see how we can manage things and how can I improve things the following month and really seeing, are we on track? And that's the, the great things about numbers is when you have those benchmarks, you can tell, are we on track this week to reach our goal? Did we reach our daily or our weekly goal? So in that way, if we didn't, then, hey, next week's a great opportunity. We don't just wanna wait until the last day to figure out before we hand in our, our file our taxes with you. Did, did I make the money that I wanted to make? Did I hit my goal or not, right? Like by that point, it's already too late. So I think it's, it's great for practice owners to, to read those, understand those, work with a great accountant like yourself who really 
helps them put together business strategies based on their goals, based on what's actually coming in to be able to see what can we do next month to improve things. And I think it really, you know, what you were saying about having systems and having those, those you know, key performing indicators or those benchmarks set every single month are really going to help us know, are we spending the right time doing the right things? And, um, you know, for example, with what you were, you're mentioning about the different legislations and as you as a business owner that falls on you you to manage to make sure that you're compliant you're doing things right you're following the legislations and employment standards but honestly how long is that going to take you to do that yourself let's say it takes them about maybe 25 hours that month would you rather be spending 25 hours doing that or would you rather spend 25 hours making money right so it's really seeing where is my time going to be used the best so I can make a better ROI with that time uh, to grow the business. Yeah, and I would suggest to you, I mean, I see a number of industries, but my, my focus is on about three industries and they're very profitable and dentistry is one of them. It's one of the best businesses for the bottom line profit. Um, and just anecdotally, it seems to be one of the better ones for, for quality of life. Um, from an intangible point of view, for sure. Um, that's basically who I want to work with. And I would also encourage your listeners, um, if you step back and look at a CPA's role, um, on paper, my role is to produce a, a one-page report on your financial statements to say whether they're accurate or not. And my job is to take those numbers and put them on a, an income tax return and send that to the CRA. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's all that an accountant's official job is. Uh, and that's maybe all that your CPA is doing. And if you're happy with that, that's fine. Uh, most of the people I talk to, be they dentists or bankers or things of the like, they really want uh, my profession to be more uh, proactive, reaching out. Mm. Um, and I certainly admit that as a failing for CPAs. I mean, I like to think I'm a little better than average, but doesn't everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I would just encourage your listeners, though, I mean, it's like anything, the, the service that you're going to get is going to be reflective of what you put in. So if you never tell your accountant that you're worried about your production, if you never ask your accountant how your numbers stack up, if you don't ask these questions, you're not going to get the answer. Um, and if you haggle with your accountant over their bill every year, they're, they're generally not going to go above and beyond to provide you with this extra intelligence that they probably may not have at their fingertips the same way we do. But if they deal with a number of dentists, they definitely could do it for you. Um, so don't be afraid to ask and, and communicate. Okay? It's the same with your staff. If you don't communicate your desires to your staff, to your accountants, to your advisors, your questions are not going to get answered. Right? Yeah. Never hurts to ask. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I think that uh, was great, great advice. Um, but I do want to ask before we end this, what's what's one of the piece of advice that if a practice owner started doing this right away will make the biggest impact on their bottom line? The biggest impact on their bottom line. That's a tough one. You've stumped me, Samantha. <laughs> they do. Well, I mean, I think they do need to take a look at their production um, and see where their production is. Uh, and make sure if they're not happy with where their top line is, which is driving everything else, um, they invest in their people to, to drive it higher. 
Um, and that has to be done on a, on a systematic basis, right? You don't just storm into the practice Monday morning and say, you know, everybody pull up your bootstraps and, and do better, right? You really, <laughs> you really should, if you're, if you're serious about that, you should take a step back, look at where your practice is, look at where you want it to be. Um, and if you have to hire consultants to help you get there, please don't be afraid to hire consultants to get there. And if you want your practice revenue to be higher, it probably means you have to do something different. Uh, you have to add to your team uh, or you have to you have to mix up your team, uh, mix up your practice. Uh, well said. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. So I really appreciate those words of wisdom to really help practice owners, um, you know, see how they can maximize their revenues um, and then really it involves having a good business strategy and working with great people like yourself um, and then being able to help manage their people so that they can really increase the, the human capital um, and help everybody just grow the business, work together, support one another, and overall, you know, provide a great experience for your patients and for your team. And that's what's going to grow the business. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Dental CEO Show. How can people, if they want more information about anything related to their business and accounting, how can they get a hold of you? Well, if they're interested in, uh, in what I have to say, or if they would like to reach out to me, uh, we do have a website. It's www.gr cpa.ca that's gray roach twitter professional accountants.ca uh, and my email will be on there and they can just fire me off an email and uh, i'm happy to respond the upcoming season will be quite busy so if you don't get a response in five minutes uh, we're not ignoring you um, but we're very happy to work with uh, work with any practice owners in the dental profession uh, if they want just uh, you know a consultation we offer that, that complimentary for an hour uh, and if they want to delve in further, then, then we're excited to help them out for sure. Fantastic. Well, if you want to make more money this year, then you need to contact Stephen. So I'm going to make sure to put that, uh, your, your website on there. So in that way we can link it and people can uh, go ahead and contact you directly for that consultation, which you definitely should take advantage of because that is a great opportunity to speak with a professional like Steven and really put together a good strategy for growth in your business. So thank you so much again, Steven, and we can't wait to have you back on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much, Samantha. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Join us on our next episode for more great conversations, strategies, and inspirations to help you grow and scale your team and business. If you love our show, make sure to leave a review, share it with your fellow dental friends, and remember to follow us and join our email list at StreamDentalHR.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and even TikTok. See you next time.